0: Thank you, Lord. thank you, Lord, thank you Lord. hallelujah isn't it great to be in God's house tonight? Amen. amen. Any time to be with God's great people is certainly a treat of mine that I look forward to, but uh, there are some people in some places that I look a little more forward to. amen, and I'm glad to be among friends here tonight. In the house of the Lord, I have enjoyed myself so far, Amen. And by this time tomorrow night, I'm really gonna be enjoying myself, Hallelujah! Enjoying the ministry of Brother Pixler, and uh, just great to be here with you, good folks, at New Bethel in J.S. Mississippi. I told your good pastor as we was traveling down one of those country roads that. I will never forget, amen, it was almost 30 years ago pulling a trailer off of the interstate and trying to find J.S. Mississippi where I was going to preach a revival and I thought I'm sure I'm lost but there's no signs anywhere to tell me whether I'm saved or I'm lost And I just kept on driving, kept on, kept on, kept on. Amen. But finally, I found it. Hallelujah. And I'm glad I did. Amen. Open up your Bible with me tonight. I'm reading to you from 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. If you will look with me in the word of the Lord here tonight, I want to read in particular... I'm going to focus on one verse of Scripture, verse number 14, but, well, it just will do good for us to read a few more verses, because they're just good read, is all there is to it. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number 6, and verse number 14 says, "'Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers.'" For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Anybody happy about that tonight? Amen. You're the temple of the living God, and God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. My text is back up in verse number 14, and uh, the first phrase of that scripture, it said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Hallelujah. And I want to, with the help of the Lord, preach to you about, an unequal yoke, an unequal yoke. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you lift your voice with me and ask God to be gracious to us and talk with us tonight? Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I honor and praise and thank you. FOR PUTTING YOUR WORD IN MY HEART TODAY, GOD. AS I STAND BEFORE YOUR PEOPLE, LORD, I AM PRAYING FOR YOUR ANOINTING. I AM PRAYING, GOD, FOR YOUR GLORIOUS EMPOWERMENT, GOD. NOBODY BUT YOU, LORD, CAN MINISTER NOW. AND I PRAY, GOD, LET THE UNCTION FROM THE HOLY ONE COME. LET IT COME TONIGHT, GOD. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. My first in depth sermon or Bible study or whatever you want to call it on these verses of scripture happened when I was 12 years of age. And the one that was preaching the sermon to me was none other than my mother. And she was evermore anointed that day, and she knew by heart all of the various uh, contrasts that were mentioned here in this chapter. She didn't have to open up the Bible uh, to read it to me. She knew and was able to quote about fellowship, amen, with uh, righteous and the unrighteous, communion with light and with darkness, concord with Christ and Belial and he that believeth with an infidel, and temple of God with idols. And boy, I I just knew that that she had memorized a powerful portion of Scripture. I was 12 years of age, and uh, I had uh, somehow taken an interest in another little 12-year-old girl at the school where I was attending at that time. And uh she was a a pretty little girl and uh I, I thought so anyway, and some way she took an interest in me also. The school that I was attending there in Los Angeles was predominantly uh, Catholic people and Hispanics that lived there in the community. And uh, this girl, there was a custom around the school back in those days, and that was that if a girl had interest in a guy— she would ask the guy if it was possible for her to wear his Christopher. And, of course, I uh, was completely clueless, raised in a one-God apostolic home, as to what in the world she was talking about for uh, her to wear my Christopher. I just always thought that was a name. I, I didn't know anything about that. But one of my classmates decided that he would help me out from my embarrassment. And he would save the day. He said, let, let me take you down to the store. I, I, I know what it is that she's interested in. And so I walked in for the very first time in my life into one of those stores that sold all all of the catholic parphenalia that you could purchase there. If you wanted a crucifix to hang around your neck, you could get it if if it was something to do with the virgin. But one of the things was there were these little medallions that had a little chain, kind of like a necklace around your neck. And down on that, that little tiny medallion that was there, there was a picture of of St. Christopher... An engraving of Saint Christopher that was there. I thought, God have mercy. Amen. You talk about conflicting emotions uh, to a 12-year-old boy that thought he was in love with a girl and and here it is. And I, I, I admit, I was too fragile and too weak at that stage of life to do what I should have done and turned around and ran out out the door uh, and said let the heathen rage buddy I ain't doing none of that but uh, the friend said that's it right there buy this nice little box for her and a little white box and and you just give it to her tomorrow at school and so I bought it Hard-earned money, amen. I bought it and slipped it in my pocket and went home with the intentions that I sure wasn't going to bow down to the idol. But until the point that we got her converted, uh, amen, I'd just give her whatever she wanted. That's the way all the rest of you men live, isn't it? Amen. I I just thought that's how you're supposed to do it, uh, and there I was. But little did I remember the fact that uh, my mother didn't believe in my space. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I'm hoping every apostolic mama alive today still doesn't believe in it. Amen. That was a long time before computers and Internet, but I promise you there wasn't one ounce of space in my drawers, under my mattress, uh, under my bed, high in my closet that my mother thought was my space. Yeah, some of you have been there. Hey, Amen. She she just had that philosophy that said that uh, we pay the bills around here and we own every bit of this. Ain't nothing that you can have that you're going to hide from us. or We're not able to look at any time, any place. Uh, And uh, sure enough, brother, they rummaged through my pockets, through everything that I had. uh, And oh, I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But that day she found the little white box with the Christopher in it. And brother, did I get one animated sermon. I, I just I, I was amazed because my mother was uh, usually the meek and the mild mannered uh, one of the family and she was certainly a far cry from being a disciplinarian uh, as a matter of fact there were eight of us kids and and when she'd get mad at us uh, she'd uh, and she couldn't get our attention she'd take off her shoe uh, and she'd wind up and Throw her shoe at us, but as the delivery of her fastball was leaving her hand, uh, her motherly instinct would take over and she'd say, Duck! Hmm. And so us kids learned how to get down real early in life. Uh, amen. We wondered why we was the best ones at dodgeball. At the school, uh, mama gave us practice, real regular, and uh, she just had that soft heart about her, and, and uh, I, I really didn't believe that she could get that fired up, but brother, when she got done quoting all them scriptures to me, I could tell it was for reals because her jaw was trembling. And tears were welling up inside of her eyes and and she looked at her 12 year old son uh, and uh, she she was really moved with emotion Uh, and she said Philip I want to tell you something Uh, she said your daddy put your sister out of this house uh, for her refusing to quit a sinner boyfriend uh, of hers Uh, and she said I want you to know something I would rather be dead than to have another one of my kids marry a sinner I said, Ooh, mama I'm just 12 years of age I'm not asking for anybody's hand in marriage mom Hey Amen. It's just a cute little girl, and there ain't no girls at the church that we go to that are close to my age. Wouldn't that be all right? Uh, she should not on your life. Is that all right? Uh, hey Amen. The only way I can make sure uh, that no more of my kids marry a sinner uh, is you can't talk with them on the phone. You can't flirt with them. Uh, you can't date them. Uh, you can't do nothing nothing. hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm hoping this generation of parents uh, and mamas especially uh, have still got that kind of grit inside of them, still got that kind of spirit inside of them uh, that said, I believe the Bible, uh, including 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Oh hallelujah, 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 Amen, Amen. And so I, I I got quite an education that day about unequal yoke. I thought I wasn't raised on the farm. I have no idea what that scripture means, but I promise you it means that I can't give that girl that Saint Christopher. That's all that I knew that that meant out of that scripture there that day. But when you look in the Bible and you study about yokes in the scripture, you find out that yokes, and all of you farmers know a whole lot better than me, but yokes were what separated domesticated animals from the wild animals that were there, and a beast of burden, whether it be a horse or a donkey or an oxen that was there. A yoke was a way to harness their strength. A yoke was a way to multiply their strength through teamwork. And to team up one of those animals with another similar animal there. And whether they were plowing or pulling a wagon or whatever the needs were of, of, of the life that was there, it was a blessing to the people that were there. Yokes, according to the scripture, the Bible said that it is good to bear the yoke in your youth. Amen. So I'm the older man tonight, but let me talk to you young people for just a minute. Amen. To bear the yoke in your youth. To get hooked up. Amen. Teamed up. To do it in your youth. I read an interesting article recently, and the title of the article was The Lucifer Principle. And they had made an extensive study as to what was going wrong at at all of these uh, uh, camps of internment and all of the the prisons that Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib prison that was there. And why were the guards doing such inhumane treatment uh, to the prisoners that were there and bringing such embarrassment uh, and shame to us? Uh, so they actually did a little survey. They went out and got a bunch of college students uh, that had absolutely no violence in their background. They, they had never had trouble with the law. They had never been involved in any kind of, of violent behavior or action. And they said, this group is going to be the prison guards. They went to another university away so nobody would know that it was just a mock a, a trial that they were doing. And they really weren't prisoners and they really weren't guards. And they went out and they got a whole nother group of young people from another university that likewise had the background of being well adjusted and never, never cruel or never, never, never involved in the fights or any of that gang activity and just good, kind people. And they, at an abandoned prison facility, put them together and they told the guards that was there, just do whatever you got to do, just keep them in line, These are a bunch of bad boys here, and you got to make sure you don't take anything off of them and you stand your ground and you get the job done. And they watched and they monitored uh, from the cameras that were there till they were almost afraid they had waited too late uh, because all of a sudden those uh, that uh, were to be the guards, that had never had any history uh, of that whatsoever, when they knew that there was no accountability and nobody was over them and watching them, uh, they would begin to resort uh, to more and more increasingly violent actions uh, toward the prisoners that were there. And the prisoners began to respond in kind. Uh, They didn't appreciate the pushing and the shoving uh, and the poking and the jabbing. uh, And they began to stand up to them. And as soon as they stood up, uh, it just escalated from there uh, until finally they had to call off the experiment uh, before there was any broken and bones or anybody that was going to be damaged permanently. Uh, and they, they called this uh, the Lucifer principle, of course, naming it uh, after Lucifer or the devil, that it doesn't matter how good you start off if you're not holding yourself accountable to somebody. Amen. You are going to become increasingly worse and worse uh, and do behavior that you would have never thought uh, that you would have done before. Hallelujah. What's that got to do uh, with it all? Let me tell you what it does. Uh, Amen. Young man, uh, if you're fixing to get married uh, and you're involved in the dating scene, I'm going to tell you what. uh, If you find a girl uh, that is not accountable and in submission uh, unto her very own father, uh, you better leave her alone uh, because you have no idea how cruel she can really get uh, one day uh, if nobody has been able to put a yoke upon her. Uh, Amen. I'm telling you girls, uh, if that guy uh, is not 100 hundred percent submitted to his pastor uh, you better kiss him goodbye Uh, amen you better make sure uh, you don't take him out on another date uh, because when he gets you behind closed doors uh, and you're not submitting like he thinks uh, you're supposed to be submitting uh, you have no clue uh, as to what degree of cruelty That Lucifer, a man principle, can have in his life. The Bible said it's got to start off young. It's in your youth you learn how to bear the yoke. It's in your youth. Uh, You learn how to submit uh, to get some work done and accomplished uh, around your house and around the house of God uh, and in the kingdom of God. Uh, Amen. Now, the Bible said in Deuteronomy 22 and 10 uh, that you can't yoke up uh, a donkey with an ox. Now, now why is that? Well, we understand they are completely incompatible. You know that if you've ever tried it before. Amen. You've never heard anybody say uh, that he's as stubborn as a ox. You had never heard that, have you? It's always stubborn as a mule. You never heard him say, he's as strong as a donkey. It's always as strong as an ox because their dominant characteristic that they are known for is not compatible one with the other. That's how God made them. That's how God created them. Uh, And we're talking about an unequal yoke here. Well, you know I'm not interested in barnyard animals, uh, and that's not what I'm here to preach about tonight. Uh, But I'm going to tell you the spirit of our age is a spirit uh, that is religious yoking together. Oh, hallelujah. A unequal yoke, according to the scripture, uh, is what our generation uh, is going to hog wild over. Amen. And trying to get things uh, to be compatible uh, that God never intended uh, to be compatible. Uh, Two or three weeks ago, I was in a small town in Illinois, and I was there and uh, I drove through this particular town that was there and I saw an unusual sight, at least it was for me, uh, as I looked and there were two churches that were side by side that were there. But it looked like, at first glance, it was easy to tell. You've often seen churches that are uh, side by side or back to back, one to another. But it was very obviously that they had deliberately taken down the wall or the fence that one time was built and erected to divide those two church properties that was there. It was very noticeable that right on the spot where the fence used to be was where they had erected a new church sign. And I drove up a little closer. I thought, I want to look this church sign over and see what this is. And I drove up and I read that one was St. Jude's or something's Catholic church and the other was the first Methodist church but on their sign on their sign built into the sign was a gigantic wooden yoke that was there and where one side of the yoke went over to a side it had the name of the Catholic church and the service schedule that was there. Where the yoke went to the other side, it had the name of the Methodist church and the church schedule of services that was there. And over the top, it said, I I, I couldn't hardly believe what I was seeing. It said, a truly yoked religious community i thought john wesley would roll over in his grave if he saw what i'm seeing today i mean i'm not saying he was saved but brother he rode many many miles on horseback Amen. Preached uh, thousands of sermons uh, to try to convince uh, the original Methodist folks uh, that we're not that and that is not us. Uh, Yeah, amen, Uh, and did his very best, and he and his brother gave their entire life uh, to establish some principles in the minds of some people uh, that said it really does matter uh, that we don't remain hooked up to that. Uh, It really is important uh, that we read our Bible, uh, and whatever the Bible says, Is what we go by, not the traditions uh, that was handed down uh, from some other church. Uh, We got to go by the Bible. Uh, And John Wesley uh, did everything in his power uh, to convince them uh, and gave his life for it. And I thought as I looked at that sign, yeah, I can see it now. The priest comes over on some services and he gives a nice little homily about the love of Christ to the First Methodist Church. And the First Methodist pastor goes over next door and he gives a beautiful little Methodist sermon, amen, about God's grace to the Catholic congregation. And everybody says how sweet it was and how touching it was. And the rationale behind it says 95% of the scriptures we agree on. And they're right. They're right, they do. Since we agree on 95% of the Scriptures, why should we squabble and fuss and fight over the little minuscule 5% that we don't see eye to eye on? Now, what's the big deal? Can't we celebrate uh, what we have in common? You're getting a little too quiet on me here. Ain't none of you worried I've gone charismatic, I promise you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Ketna isn't our commonality what what binds us together after all uh, and we'll just let our theologians uh, split hairs over what they think uh, amen Methodist should be versus what Catholics should be uh, amen now, now I'm here to tell you tonight uh, amen that if you're a daughter of the mother of harlots uh, amen go ahead and get back in bed with her. You might as well. Uh, Amen. Because sooner or later, uh, that's where the ecumenical spirit uh, is going to end every last one of them uh, that we're living in. Uh, But I'm telling you, if you're a true one God, uh, Jesus' name, uh, apostolic, uh, it's an entirely different story. Uh, Amen. But between you and I, I'm here to tell you the true church of the living God is completely incompatible with false doctrine, completely, irreversibly incompatible with any kind of false doctrine. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 They questioned Jesus in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 28. uh, And they said, what is the first commandment? Uh, Would you tell us what it is? Uh, And Jesus said, oh, yeah, it is here. Oh, Israel, Uh, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. He said, if you want to know what it is, Is Uh, That's what it is. Uh, And when you get the revelation of that, uh, amen, you start loving your neighbor uh, as yourself. uh, Amen. You begin to love God with all of your heart, uh, all of your soul, all of your mind, uh, all of your strength. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. And in Matthew 22 and 39, uh, he said, all of the law and the prophets... Hang upon that revelation. Oh, hallelujah. There is absolutely nothing in the scripture uh, that doesn't hang uh, upon that. Oh, hallelujah. What are you saying, Brother White? Uh, I'm telling you, you can't even begin uh, to love God with all your heart uh, if you don't know who he is. Uh, You can't even begin, uh, amen, to love your neighbor as yourself uh, without the revelation uh, that there is only one God. uh, Amen. You're hanging on air. uh, You're hanging on thin air. uh, If you try to build any doctrine in the Scripture, uh, out of anything less than that there's only one God. There's only one God. There's only one God. Every Bible doctrine, whether it's grace, redemption, love, the new birth, water baptism, resurrection of the dead, every bit of it hangs upon the revelation that there is only one God. I'm telling you, the folks that don't have that revelation don't have anything to preach about. You thought they did. But they don't have the nail in the sure place to hang any doctrine of the Bible on until they get the revelation that there's only one God. Hallelujah. I'm preaching about an unequal yoke, my friend. Uh, Amen. And we need to get an understanding uh, of it in the Scripture. Uh, Turn again. I want you to see it for yourself. Uh, In Matthew chapter number 16, uh, we love to preach about it, to shout about it. Uh, Amen. The 16th chapter of the book of Matthew. uh, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, say, and whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee uh, but my Father which is in heaven. uh, He said you got a supernatural revelation buddy. Uh, Nobody taught it to you. It came from God. Uh, And he said let me tell you what I'm going to do. Amen. That thou art Peter and upon this rock uh, I will build my church. Hallelujah. Not the rock of Peter's name uh, but the rock of that revelation. Uh, He said on this Revelation. He said, I am going to build my church. Can I tell you, it's not his church if it's not built on that revelation? Oh, hallelujah. I don't deny uh, that it's called a church uh, in the dictionary of the world. uh, But Jesus said, if it's my church, uh, it's only going to be built uh, upon this revelation. Uh, That's the only kind of church that I'm going to put my name to. Uh, That's the only church uh, is the one that's got the revelation. It might not excite you, but I'm telling you, it excites me. Uh, Amen. To realize it. uh, Listen to what he said in verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You got that, Peter? You got the keys. Uh, And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth uh, shall be loosed in heaven. Are you ready for this? You're in another kingdom if you got in without using the keys that Peter had. I'm sorry, I don't deny, amen, that you got a right to put kingdom out on the front of your church, amen, or inside the liturgy of your church, but you're not in his kingdom if any other keys fit the lock. He said, my kingdom has got keys that will only fit this lock right here, and Peter, use those keys on the day of Pentecost. And he said, it's repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way you're going to get in his kingdom. Amen. No other way in the kingdom. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you what the world is trying to condition us to accept something other than the plain teachings of the scripture. I was busy with another pastor, his wife and my wife, looking for a location for a retreat that seven or eight of us churches together have. And we were looking for a new location. And the first place we went, I mean, it was drop dead gorgeous. But oh, it was that slimy, charismatic y spirit that was there. And the guy showing us around, I mean, just the wind would blow. He said, Do you feel the way the spirit blows through here? I thought, Oh, Jesus. Woo, Jesus. I don't know how it does you, but, brother, it gets goosebumps, the wrong kind, up and down my back. Uh, Amen. When I get around that stuff, uh, I thought, oh, God, have mercy. Uh, Amen. The blind leading the blind, uh, and they're all going to fall in the ditch. Uh, We went over to another camp, and it was a sports camp. They said, we're not religious. We're not anything at all. We allow religious groups because we have these facilities here, all of that, and you can come and rent it and all. We walked back to the car. The other pastor looked at me. He said, which one did you like the best? I said, hands down, no question. I like the sports camp. He said, you did? I said, you're not kidding, brother. I said, I get the creepiest feeling. Now, your Holy Ghost sensitizer may be hooked up different than mine, but I said I get the creepiest feeling uh, when I get around people like that. I get the creepiest feeling Uh, when doctrine doesn't divide us. uh, It doesn't matter how you were baptized. uh, It doesn't matter what you believe. uh, We embrace them all. Uh, Everybody is welcome. All roads are leading to heaven. Uh, I said, I get the creepiest feeling, uh, and I think I'd be willing to pay double uh, to get away from it, uh, to be able to rent the sports camp. Uh, Amen. Uh, to be completely. Uh, that's what the Apostle Paul warned. Uh, I know we've got, uh, amen, so politically correct uh, that we're even ashamed to use the jargon of the Bible. Uh, but the Apostle Paul uh, warned us. Uh, he said it's seducing spirits uh, and doctrines of devils. Uh, he said it's like being bewitched. Uh, he said there's evil spirits uh, connected with false doctrines. And you don't even see it My wife is a notary And she went to a house recently And came home to sign some documents for them And she told me when she came home She said, ooh, you won't believe what happened Today while I was there I said, tell me about it She said, I went in And the wife was there ready to had me notarize the documents that was there, and the TV was going off in the other room, and the husband was in there. I think it was the husband, and said on that TV there was a program that was about seances and about levitating various things and objects and people and all of that. And she said, "I promise you, babe," she said, "I didn't say a word." I just, when I caught her looking the other way, just underneath my breath, I just started saying, in Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, Amen. I'll be out of here in just a minute. God, keep me covered. Uh, Take care of everything. And she said that within just about five seconds, she said the lady hollered in to her husband, whatever his name was. Bill said, you're going to have to turn the TV off. We've got conflicting spirits in here. Isn't it amazing that that those those people that are full of demons can recognize our spirit? Uh, quicker than we who are filled uh, with the power of God's Holy Spirit uh, sometimes can't even recognize, uh, amen, the demon of false doctrine uh, that's working in people's lives uh, and keeping them out uh, of the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, we need to get another dose of the Holy Ghost. Uh, We need to get so full of God's Spirit uh, that we recognize Recognize an unequal yoke immediately, and we identify it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The apostle Paul gave us, or John, gave us the litmus test for the trying of spirits. Listen to what he said. Amen. First John chapter 4, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Verses 5 and 6. I want to read it in the King James uh, and then I'll read it in a translation so you'll better understand. Uh, He said, They are of the world, uh, therefore speak they uh, of the world, uh, and the world heareth them. You got it? Now you know why they're so popular now you know why Uh, amen that that everybody wants to hear uh, what those false prophets uh, have got to say Uh, he said they are of the world Uh, and since they're of the world uh, the world hears them they like it Uh, they identify with it Uh, amen it rings a bell with them Uh, there's a kindred spirit there Uh, amen but listen to what he said Uh, we are of God Uh, he he that knoweth god heareth us oh hallelujah hallelujah he that knoweth god heareth us he is that that is not of god heareth not us hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error Oh, hallelujah. If you want to figure out if it's an unequal yoke, uh, amen, just ask yourself what the scripture asks. Uh, Are they hearing uh, the one God apostolic message uh, when it's presented to them? Uh, Are they receiving it? Uh, Are they listening to it? Uh, One translation said, uh, These people belong to this world. So they speak. From the world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God. That is why those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth. Or the spirit of deception. Hallelujah. If they believe in a trinity, they don't know God. They know a Catholic myth that was given to them hundreds of years ago. But they don't know God because God is not a trinity. Oh, hallelujah. How do we know if they know God? When we present God's truth to them, they hear us. They listen. They say, why, sure, it's right there. It's in the Bible. I I see it. There's not three gods. There's only one God. And the way you know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception is who are they? listening to. I was hoping I'd be in a one God camp meeting tonight. Uh, I was hoping I was among people uh, that hadn't been so deluded by the world uh, that you refuse uh, to yoke up with false doctrine. Uh, You refuse anything but the absolute truth uh, of the word of God. Do you hear what the Scripture's saying? If anyone is not hearing and obeying the apostles' doctrine, they are not of God. Boy, I hope this isn't too stout for you. You better rip John's writings out of your Bible if it is, uh, because that's what John said. Uh, amen. They're not of God if they won't listen to the truth that the apostles preached, if they won't obey it, an unequal yoke. It can come in so many ways, in so many different fashions. We're living in a world today where who you fellowship with is greatly affecting your life. Who are you yoked up with? Who are you teamed up with? Who is your running buddies? Who are the ones? Oh, I I know there's good denominal people that live next door to you and next door to me. I know there's those that are constantly trying to say 95% of the Scriptures we agree on why are we going to have a fallen out over the little bit that we don't agree with let me tell you the maxim is still true birds of the feather will always flock together I've got two sons that are in their twenties brother I never dreamed it would be this way when they were little babies, that I'd have to help them through the time period when friends of theirs that were raised in identical oneness apostolic churches were going a thousand different directions. Uh Uh-huh. And everybody claiming that we still believe the same thing. Let's get together. Let's do things together. Let's keep our friendship alive. Let's keep everything going the way that it's supposed to be going. Amen. Without a mirror to look in, the crow knows that I belong with the other crows. The blue jay knows, uh, though he's never seen his reflection, uh, he knows he belongs uh, with the other blue jays. The robins uh, know that they belong uh, with the other robins. Uh, I'm telling you, those that aren't bending, aren't bowing, uh, aren't backing up, uh, also know uh, that I belong, Uh, amen, with that kind of oneness, uh, apostolic people. uh, I'm not going to fellowship with anything else. I'm not going to hang out with anything else. Amen. I'm not going to have an unequal yoke. We are going to stand for the truth of God's word. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We have come to the place in the church where I pastor. And I don't charge your pastor with this. He may see it another way. And I'm going to tell you, we got people in graduate school. We got people in universities, liberal, liberal universities. But we've came to the place in our church that we've taken a stand. We've taken a stand that said, you're not going to attend a religious college to study any kind of religion there at all. You say, that's kind of straight-laced, Brother White. Well, live it however you want to live it, but I have found out religious deception is much more infectious than evolution is, much more infectious than atheism is much more subtle in the way uh, that it gets in. Oh, a, a dear friend of mine, I just I, I can't tell you all of the details of the story but pastored a, a large, uh, growing, thriving congregation that I'd been closest of friends with. Uh, and suddenly the day came that he had enrolled in the seminary and boy, changes began to happen in the conversations that we had he would just go in there to learn the Greek and the Hebrew and all of that stuff a little better that would help him out you know as a pastor of a church and more recognition and validation of the world that was around him and and we'd have discussions and I would tell him I, I'm sorry amen I, I wouldn't want a doctorate degree if they gave me one Oh, Phil, you're you're just I said, no, no, no. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when I was a 19 year old boy and God first called me to preach uh, I didn't need the validation of this world uh, and I sure don't need it now. Uh, hey, Amen. Uh, it wasn't what the world could give me, uh, but it was if God could anoint me uh, and the power of God could use me. Uh, I could do some wonderful things for the kingdom of God. I just can't imagine a true prophet of God enrolling for a semester in Baal's school of the prophets. It wasn't long till he was arguing with me. He said, you know, if you really understood the Greek there really is nothing wrong with social drinking of alcohol. If you really understood what those scriptures are all saying there in the original language, I said, you're in trouble, my friend. You're in bad trouble. If you really understood the Hebrew about Amen, that a woman can't wear the garment that pertains to a man. If you really understood, that wasn't referring at all to the stands that we try to take. I'm pleading with you here tonight to to tell you it's an unequal yoke. And the devil wants to get it on your mind uh, and on your kids' shoulders uh, and on your grandchildren uh, to accept it all uh, as a big ecumenical stew uh, that it all blends together and it all mixes together uh, and everything is exactly the same. Uh, Oh, God, give us a people uh, that are willing to do what the Scripture said uh, and come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He said, if you want me to be your daddy, that's what I require out of you. If you want to be my child, that's what I require of you. But without a doubt, there are people in this place sitting under the sound of my voice that would not Think of an unequal yoke of marrying a sinner. Would not think of an unequal yoke of mixing with Trinitarian churches. Would not think of an unequal yoke of even mixing with liberal oneness. Pentecost and you think you have fulfilled all of the points of the scriptures of not having an unequal yoke but let me bring you one final thought to consider in the word of God it's found in the book of Philippians where the apostle Paul as the pastor speaks to the brethren At the church in Philippi. And he said, You are my joy, you are my crown, and you are my true yoke fellows. He said, There's another way that you can have either an equal or an unequal yoke according to the scriptures. And that's whether or not you are yoked up with your pastor. Getting awful quiet in here. Whether or not, don't matter how loud you can shout over there being one God, Jesus' name, baptism, holiness, every aspect of it, It really doesn't matter if you're unequally yoked in any area of the Scripture. It means to be genuinely co-yoked with your pastor. That means that you have the same burden that he has. You share the same convictions that he shares. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah! I'll never forget a sister in my church came to me one time and she said, "Pastor, you know on some of this holiness stuff, she said uh, the scripture the scripture doesn't say I have to agree with you, does it? As long as I just obey." I said, sister, I fear for you. I fear for you. Uh, And I've watched one of her daughters already lose out with God. uh, And, oh, and the gothic stuff and all of the mess. uh, And another daughter that's teetering in the balance right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you, friend, uh, you've got an unequal yoke going on in your life uh, when you can't get co-yoked up with your pastor that says, I... uh, If he can teach me from the scripture uh, and show it to me, uh, I'm gonna believe it uh, just like he believes it. Uh, I'm gonna do more than obey it. Uh, I'm gonna get it in my spirit. Uh, I'm gonna get it in my heart. Uh, I'm gonna get it in my attitude. Uh, I wanna be yoked up, Uh, amen, with my pastor. Uh, I wanna have the same vision uh, that he has. Uh, If he says, folks, uh, Amen. We got to do some evangelizing. Uh, Amen. He comes with a burden uh, and said, God's laid it on my heart. Uh, We're going to have to get busy uh, teaching some home Bible studies. Uh, I'm telling you, everyone in the congregation uh, that is co-yoked with your pastor uh, will be saying, where can I get a Bible study? Uh, Where can I get a Bible study? Uh, If he's got a burden for it, uh, I've got a burden for it. Uh, If that's the way he feels. That's what I want. 1981 or 1881, there were at least 14 different prime meridians that were in use in this world that we live in. If you know anything about sailing vessels, You will know that longitude and latitude was extremely important for them to know how long their provisions were going to hold out for the next port that they were going to to be able to survive. And so to determine latitude was pretty easy. If you've ever been to Ecuador and some of those countries that are on the equator, they will take you to a place where you can put one foot in one hemisphere, the other foot in the other hemisphere, and they can demonstrate to you why they know that it's right, because the southern hemisphere, water drains down, drains one direction, and in the northern hemisphere, it drains the exact opposite direction, and it was easy for them to determine But longitude was where they had a hard time determining where it was at. Where to determine the prime meridian that would decide we measure everything off of this point right here. Fourteen different countries in the world had established the fact that we're the most important country in the planet. And longitude begins with us. And so if you were a Dutch vessel out on the open sea and you came across the French vessel or an English vessel or a different vessel, it didn't do you any good to talk to one another because the longitude that one said was right was completely different from the other. And the other, 14 different formulas you could hear about, and it was nothing but mass confusion in everybody's mind. You see, that prime meridian is ground zero where all measurements of longitude are measured from and so they had all of this confusion going on and it was affecting people and lives that was there. It was not till 1884 that the world finally got their heads together and said this is stupid, this is crazy for us to claim that 14 different people are all right uh, and you can pick and choose whichever one you want uh, let's agree together that this is where it is going to be measured off of uh, and they finally agreed together uh, on one and the world uh, has been a lot safer sailing uh, ever since then Uh, amen let me tell you wise is the child of God uh, that instead uh, of having 14 Different prime meridians uh, of influential preachers in your life. That uh, if this one says this, uh, or if this one says that, uh, or if this one says the other, I'm going to measure off of that. Uh, and you get back to the scriptural way uh, of saying, uh, My pastor is the prime meridian in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. The man of God that God put over me is where I measure everything off of. Hallelujah. And I'm going to live by that. As some people, it's my current pastor decides on certain things, but the former pastor Decides on other things, and the man that baptizes me decides on other things. And the latest hotshot evangelist that came by that I really liked uh, decides on something else. Am I getting too deep for you here tonight? Uh, hallelujah I I, I hope not Uh, amen Uh, this one I I, I got a relative that's a preacher and this is what he thinks about it my nephew says this about it uh, and if there's ever an anointed preacher bless God he's anointed you ought to see him all the spit and sputter when he gets a going brother God's on him uh, and I wouldn't doubt this is what he says about it uh, or the faith healer I was there and he prayed for me, and, and ooh, woo, 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 and I believe anything he says. Was it the prayer of faith that did it, or was it the man? Oh, yeah. I don't know about you, but I got a word from the Lord from that brother one day. He gave me a word from the Lord. And so whatever he says, you better look out. Balaam's donkey had a word from the Lord too. One day you'll have a donkey you're listening to if you go on down that trail. You better make it up in your mind that there's one prime meridian in my life. That's the man of God that is currently my pastor. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, if I understand this Bible right, uh, amen, uh, it is the current uh, one-God apostolic pastor that is your pastor at the moment you die uh, that is the one uh, that's going to present you to the judgment seat of Christ. It don't matter how fond your memories are of bygone days and every preacher that was influential in your life. The Bible said, As the tree falleth, so shall it lie. And whoever was your pastor the moment you died is the one that's got to stand before God and give account. You better hope you were yoked up with him. You better hope you were co-yoked with him. You better hope it. Some musicians come tonight. Never forget the man that I pastored. He was a man that moved from the Midwest out to California. Had a rough life. I can't tell you all the details of the sorbid past, but he was an old man. And now he was facing death because a disease had come to his lungs from working in the aircraft industry. And they told him, the hospice told him, that it wouldn't be long and he was going to have to die. I wasn't the first one God apostolic pastor that he had. Matter of fact, I was the third, the third one. And I'd pastored so many people that, well, they were like dogs instead of sheep. Dogs have a hard time transferring loyalty. Sheep can transfer loyalties. They don't have a hard time doing that at all. Ask anyone that's ever tended sheep. Ask anyone that's ever taken care of a flock before. But I've pastored so many that getting them co-yoked with me as the pastor, even after pastoring 10, 15, 20, 25 years now at the same church, if they had other pastors in their life, some amidst such a struggle, to not have an unequal yoke with the pastor that's in their life. But it wasn't so with Don Smith. He let me to know when I came, though I was his third pastor since he had been in the truth, that he was going to be with me. And he would submit. And it wasn't easy. Telling you there were some areas that he had to submit to that I had to go visit him in jail. And I had to go be willing to testify against him for a crime that he had done. That's what a real man of God that loves you will do. He'll discipline you when you need discipline. That's what a real parent that loves a child will do. He was older than my parents were. But I remember hearing the story. He said, Pastor, he said, I've always wanted, when I drew my last breath, to have my pastor there standing with me. He said, Is there a way that I can get you to do that? I said, Brother Smith, I will be thrilled to be there the day you die I said but it's so unpredictable and they've told you it could be up to two years of this hospice care and I can't cancel my whole schedule but I can promise you brother Smith when it's getting right down to it I'll cancel everything to be there for you but it came too suddenly and I was on a trip and they said, it's shutting down. The organs are shutting down. He's dying. He was telling the hospice. He said, right here, right here is my pastor's cell phone number. He told me to call wherever he was at. He would come. I tried to get a flight out that night, but there was no flights available. I promised him I'd be there on the first plane in the morning. I rushed and the plane was delayed, and I called from airports, and he was still alive. He said, I'm waiting, Pastor, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. When I finally was in town, I ran. I threw the car in park in his driveway, and I ran inside and watched him as he was gasping for breath. And he saw his pastor. I wasn't the one that baptized him. I wasn't the one that married him. I wasn't the one that dedicated any of his kids. But he knew I was the one that had to present him to the judgment seat of Christ. And he looked up and got a big smile on his face. He said, there you are, Pastor. He reached out and took a hold of my hand with one hand. And with the other hand, he began to stroke it. He said, I'm ready to go now. Those were the last words he spoke. And his breathing instantly started dying away. Just when I thought he could still hear me. I said, I love you, Brother Smith. I kissed him on the forehead. And I watched the smile on his face as the death rattle came. And he left this world. Of all of the unequal yokes that you might get by with in life, you won't get by with being unequally yoked with your pastor because God is going to meet you at the judgment bar would you stand with me I wonder in this place tonight if you would be obedient to the Holy Ghost If you're a married man, a married woman, I want to ask you to take the hand of your spouse and walk with them together up to this altar and say, I'm making a commitment to God that I am going to be co-yoked with my pastor from this day. Forward. I'm not going to have an unequal yoke with the man of God in my life as we play and sing. Would you do that tonight? If you're single and a young person here without a spouse, would you walk down these aisles? Come to this altar. Say, I'm not going to be unequally yoked with my pastor. I'm going to do it God's way. Come on. Come on. Come on. God's calling you. Oh, yes. Come on. Whatever church you're from, I'm not just preaching to New Bethel here tonight. Preaching to everybody from every church. You're going to be the prime meridian in my life, Pastor. I'm not going to be unequally yoked with you. I'm going to be a true yoke fellow, the man of God in my life. Lead us in song here tonight. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God. Come on. Talk to the Lord about it. Husband, talk to the Lord about it. Talk to the Lord about it.